0: Have your way with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, who's thankful to be at church on a Sunday afternoon? You got to sleep in today, all right? You get to, maybe you were up doing a hike this morning. Anybody else get outside this weekend and just enjoy this incredible valley we live in? Oh my gosh. Um, like Blake said, my name's Chris. Um, my wife, Arlena, and I have the privilege of uh, serving this church as the lead pastors and um, we're just, we're thrilled to be in Salt Lake City. We're excited. God is on the move. Do you know that? That he, he never actually stops doing that, okay? It's really just more of a question if we are um, in the move with him, if we're uh, a part of, um, and we're aware of his movement um, around us. But God never stops moving. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and I, can, I can testify to you just through my small little perspective, one guy in this city um, connected to a bunch of radical Jesus lovers, uh, Jesus followers, that God is moving. People are um, hearing about his love for them and are getting rescued, saved from their sin and shame. They're coming into new life, and new hope. People are hearing about his healing power. It's just... Seven days ago in this room, there were at least a couple of people we prayed for at the end of the service that got touched by God and supernaturally healed. Um, Just a few days ago at the park, we're playing with our kids and and we just kind of try to keep our eyes open to where where God's moving wherever we go. And we got to pray for this guy who's recovering from terrible arthritis in his hips and knees, and he's literally just slowly going around the, the, the park in a walker, and we just felt led to pray for him, and he started tearing up. God touched him. It's not like he threw his walker away, but I just want you to know, church, God is moving. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The stuff that we see Jesus doing, it's the love of God that's on the move. Do you know that? Everything that motivates and moves the heart of God comes from his heart of love. Scripture says God is love and that his perfect love casts out fear, casts out sin, shame, and makes a way for us to come in. We talked last Sunday to come out of a realm of darkness, which is where we all default start in this world, and to come into what the Bible calls the kingdom of his beloved son, a kingdom where there is light, a kingdom where there is peace, a kingdom where there is forgiveness and joy. And I hope that as you gather today in this space with God's people, that you're sensing what the scripture says, that in his presence is fullness of joy. God is on the move, and God is present. And it's always a question of if our hearts are simply open and aware to how close he actually is. So we're really excited. Wherever you're coming from, I see a lot of new faces in the room. So welcome you. If you're a first-time guest, we are so glad you're here. Uh, I hope this room wasn't crazier than you were expecting. Actually, I hope it, that I'm, I'm, I am just pleased with how crazy this room is. worship. Because do you know that if Jesus really is who he says he is? If he really does have the grace, the power, the mercy, and the love to remove us, to remove from us our sin and shame, to bring us into his healing wholeness and new life, then man, the people of God, man, what just happened in this room should have been tame. I promise you it's tame to what's happening in heaven all the time as the angels gather around and see him as he really is. We're learning here on the earth to get a greater glimpse. But he's worthy to be worshiped because he's moving. And that's, he's always moving. And it's his, his heart of love. Today, I have the privilege of um, really helping us as a church community to turn a corner. Look at your neighbor and say, turn the corner. Turn the corner. To really turn a corner. Because I don't know if you've noticed... But the last couple of years have been kind of hard. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, um, but there's a lot of crazy stuff going on all around the earth and things are shaking. But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and a child of God, then I've got good news for you. The Bible says that you've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so in the midst of everything around you shaking, son or daughter of God, I want you to know that your portion is to learn how to stand firm in the kingdom of Jesus, while everything around you is shaken and tossed. And so we're going to turn a corner today um, into a, a new season, a new series that we're calling Those Who Dream, all right? Because dreaming, and I don't mean when you're asleep at night and, you know, you go off into la-la land or however that works neurologically. I mean when you're a kid. When I was a kid, I dreamed about being a professional baseball player. I grew up in Houston, so sports fans, you know, that's the land of the Houston Astros, okay, the land of the Astrodome. Come on, anybody? just wave at me, okay? If you grew up in Texas, okay, the, the, the Astrodome in the 80s and 90s, one of the most iconic sports venues in the United States, okay? Right there in the middle of Houston downtown, and no, no, you guys don't know any of these players, but I grew up watching Craig Biggio and Jeff Bagwell and Derek Bell and Mike Scott, and my dad would take me and my brother to the baseball games, and we would go early to watch the players do batting practice, and we take our gloves, and every young boy's dream that has a dream to be a professional baseball player is to, is to what, guys? catch a fly ball. Okay, so you're there the whole time hoping that the batters actually fail or that you would catch a foul ball as you sit behind the third base dugout or whatever, you know. And so I drew up, I grew up dreaming about being a professional baseball player. I played all through high school and then my dream went down in flames my senior year. I, the, to sum up my career, um, that's a joke, okay. Um, <laughs> Murray. Murray, actually actually had a professional baseball career. Um, to sum of my career, uh, I had a, a lot of potential that never really played out, okay? So, always huge into, oh man, this guy's got it, and then just would always come in way underneath the expectation, and, and then it just went down in flames. My senior year um, and my baseball dream just... See you never, you know, eighteen years old. But every time I hold a baseball, it, it brings me back to all those days, weeks, months, just years on the baseball field practicing running, Just loved it, and you know, dreaming really is part of what makes us human. And as kids, earlier in life, we do this really naturally. It's easy to dream. Think about your own dreams. You probably had half a dozen of them by the time you were ten. Or by the time you were 14, you may, you may, it was an astronaut or a firefighter or a baseball player or a mom or whatever, you wanted to grow up and, and, and be a business professional and make a bunch of money and change the world or be a doctor or a nurse or a counselor. I mean, think about all the different dreams that came into your heart as a kid. But as we grow up, um, as life goes, reality can kind of, just like me in my senior year of baseball, can kind of knock the stuffing out of your dreams, right? I mean, raise your hand if one, one of your half a dozen dreams didn't pan out and you experience a little bit of disappointment. And we all have to grapple with that, right? And, but really, when we stop dreaming, we, in some sense, we stop living. When we stop dreaming, in some sense, we just start surviving, Because dreams are connected to our future. Dreams are connected to our hope. They're connected to our sense of calling and purpose and to this deep sense of meaning or destiny or purpose that we're all continually searching for. Our dreams are connected to the future. And so dreaming in this sense is actually really, really biblical. And I want to kick off this series by reading... Out of Psalm 126, first couple of verses, check this out. When the Lord restored, somebody say restored, the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Do you know that God is a God of restoration? God is a God of restoration. We just sung this, we just sung this new song that Hallie was leading. It's about His nature. It is God's nature to bring restoration where things have been broken down, to bring healing where things have been devastated. It is His heart. I want to draw our attention to three words here, the word restored, the word dream, and the word joy. Because when we begin to experience the restoration of God, we begin to dream again. Do you see the connection there? And when we begin to dream again, remember dreams are about your what? Your future, and your future is where your hope lies, right? So when you actually begin to experience restoration of who God is, what he's doing, and what he has for you, you begin to start looking to the future, dreaming with a hope, with an anticipation. Psalm 27 says, I believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living, But don't miss the first two words there, I believe. You see, faith starts here and makes itself out into your future in what is called hope. And so I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And when we come into this place of restoration of our faith, restoration of our hope, we start to dream again. And let's get that scripture back up there. We start to dream again, and then our mouths filled with laughter, our tongues shouts of joy. And I believe that our dreaming, that our hope of what is to come, is critical to our joy right now in this experience, and where we're we're at. Our joy in the present. This is why so many of us Dare I say, maybe every single one of us have really struggled to find joy in the last couple years. Maybe like no time ever before in your life, you've wrestled with despair, with depression, with a sense of hopelessness, or because your future's been under attack. We stop dreaming with God, and our joy begins to fade, I believe, church, that we are in a season of restoration and renewal, that we are turning the corner. Listen, even as things continue to shake around us, I believe that the greater storyline for the people of God is that we are finding our strength again. Do you believe it, church? Listen, the greater story is that we are starting to rise again. Listen, I believe what God is saying is that we are starting to dream again. It is time. This was the word, the, the Lord spoke this last Sunday here in this room to, to our congregation. Maybe some of you missed it. But, but God is calling us forward, church. He is calling us to to no longer crouch in a defensive posture. we have been talking about the armor of God, okay? We've got some defensive armor. We've got the breastplate. We've got a helmet, and we've got the shield of faith, and I think a lot of us have been crouching in defense for a while, and it's been tough, and we've felt the onslaught, and we feel the Lord is saying, but I have put a sword in your hand, and it is time to move forward into offense, start dreaming again, because I don't know if you realize it, but the world is shaking. And everything that can be shaken, Jesus said, will be shaken. But children of God, we've received a kingdom that cannot be. Look at your neighbor and say, you have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Say it. I want you to say it. You might think that's cheesy. You might think that's dumb. But I'll tell you something. There's death and life in the power of your tongue. All right? So maybe your joy would start to rise up again. Maybe your hope would start to rise up again. Maybe your dreams would start to come again if we start speaking these things out, church. Everything is shaking except the kingdom that we're a part of. King's on the throne. Sitting. All things are unfolding according to a purpose and plan and a divine culmination of his glory that we cannot even comprehend. You think his throne is shaking? Man, he is secure, church. And we are learning to be. That's the invitation. And look, we are starting to rise again, and we are emerging stronger. If you're still here, though you feel beaten and battered and weary, listen, listen, you are emerging with strength, character, and hope. And I want to prove it to you, not because I say it, I'm not trying to be inspirational. I'm telling you, this is what the Word of God says. Romans chapter 5, it says this, that we rejoice In our sufferings, that cannot be what it actually says, can it? That is crazy. You're telling me you're going to look back on the last two years and be like, Woo! Praise God! Best season of my life! (laughs) No, not at face value. But when you come out the other side of a fire, and you're supposed to be a sword, the fire that burns you is the fire that refines and strengthens you. Do you know how they make swords? They stick them in a fire repeatedly and they bang the mess out of them with hammers. Welcome to 2020, 2021, right? Your life. It's like, man, I feel like I've been stuck in a fire and beaten for the last couple years. You have. (laughs) But look what's being produced, right? We know that suffering produces endurance. That endurance produces, someone say it character and character produces oh there it is hope and hope does not put us to shame another translation says does not disappoint raise your hand if you've been disappointed in the last couple of years about something something you were hoping in something you were dreaming about some a church leader or or government or i mean we've been disappointed Church I believe we 're in a season where we are emerging. Yes. God is restoring something in us, and we 're coming out we 're coming out from the time of suffering and and, and if you 're here or i don 't know there 's a hundred different stories in this room literally, but I, but I believe that what God would say to us is you 've hung on and you might feel beaten and battered but but you are actually coming out with a proven character and a hope that will not disappoint you. Church, it is a season of rising from the disappointments of yesterday and stepping into the God appointments, daring to dream again for the God appointments of tomorrow. I believe this is the season we are in it's springtime in Utah. Come on, can't you just feel it? Can't you just see it? Everything's coming up out of the ground. The flowers are blooming in my front and backyard. Everything's getting green again. Look, I know that it looked really dead around here for a while, but church, do you know that it wasn't dead? It was dormant. It was in its season. And tell me how these trees knew when the time to wake up was. I don't know other than God's made everything for its season, and God said, now, wake up. And I believe that some of you are coming out of a season of disappointment, and God today would speak to your heart and say, now, wake up. Bloom. You feel dead. You ain't dead. You're dormant. Bloom, he says. His word bring in new life, bring in new flowers. You felt so dry and crusty in this past season and you're about to see yourself bloom with some crazy flowers that have just been waiting under the surface. Come on, church. It's a beautiful thing when we begin to dream again. It's a beautiful thing. Remember, restoration dreaming, joy. And I remember when we were moving here, praying through moving here uh, last summer, we're, we're new to the valley. If you're visiting this church, my family, we just moved here last summer um, to step in and, and become the lead pastors of this church. Was, this church has been through tons of transition the last couple of years. And we were back in Texas and kind of interviewing to, to move here and we're praying through this this whole journey, we have five kids, Uh, our oldest is eight, our youngest is two, so we got every even number between eight and two, all right, if you're wondering how we have five, it's because we have twins, that's six, okay, so we have five kids, and we brought them in early, because we said, look, we're not going to Utah unless we go as a family, and even my young six, four, two, eight-year-old kids, I'm like, you guys are going to help us here if this is where God's inviting us to go, And so we let them know we're praying about this. Daddy's interviewing. There's this church in this city called Salt Lake City, and it's a place that really needs the hope of Jesus and the the grace and the love of Jesus. And, and, And we feel like God might be asking us to go. And we're dreaming with God but we want you guys to be a part of this too. So we invite them in. And, and as we progressed in the process and it kind of got a little bit further down the road and we felt like, okay, we're pretty sure that God is doing this. We're pretty sure God's asking us and he's opening the door. We began to show our kids pictures of the mountains and pictures of the valley in springtime. And, and we begin to invite them, guys, this this might be where God's in, inviting us. We want you to hear, is this what he's saying? And we kind of brought him in to the dream. And, and then, and then, and after we were offered the job we kind of had this this last family moment where we just said hey we we're only going if every single one of us feels like this is where we're supposed to go this is at a unanimous family vote here and um, we had this sweet time together and lots of tears but everyone just felt like yeah this is God's this is what God's doing and the sweetest moment happened with my eight-year-old son, Caleb. <laughs> and he looked at me after we had kind of all decided, like, yeah, this is the Lord. We're going to Utah, you know? And he said, Dad, I'm so excited. And, and I thought he was just excited for him, you know? Like, we had showed him a picture of his school and the mountains. I thought he was just pumped about getting to ski, you know? And he's like, I'm so excited, Dad. And I was like, I know, me, me too. But he goes, no, Dad. He goes, I'm so excited because you are getting your dream. And my eight-year-old son got excited for his daddy's dream. And it's a beautiful thing when children begin to dream the dreams of their parents. It's a beautiful thing. And as we enter into this season of dreaming with God as a community, that is the invitation that I want us to take as children of God. I want to invite you to take Caleb's heart posture and to look at our God who is called our Father and to, and to open our hearts to get more excited about his dreams than even our own. It was such a powerful moment. It marked me on this journey. He said, Dad, because he knew. I mean, I grew up in Texas. I grew up in flatland. I'm a snowboarder. I'm like, I just wanted to live in the mountains my whole life. But God said, College Station, which none of y'all know where that is, right? Because I was in the wilderness, right? And then, and then all of a sudden, like a, the year before I turned 40, you know, I'm like, God's like, Utah. And I'm like, wait, near the mountains? He's like, no. In the mountains, I'm <laughs> like I'm learning how that we don't live near the mountains. I'm like we live in the mountains. It's crazy. I drop my son off at school right in the mountains, and I go up and we snowboard. You know, in the mountains, 25 minutes away. I'm like this is crazy, but but it's a beautiful thing when when children begin to dream the dreams of their father, yeah. and and so uh, there's a. Uh, Uh, A a man named Jimmy Seibert, Uh, Jimmy and his wife, Laura, founded the original Antioch Community Church in Waco, Texas. Uh, back in the 90s. So, this might be your first time here, or maybe you've been here for a couple years. You might not know this, but our church is actually connected to a global family of churches called the Antioch Movement of Churches. It's actually a really special and, and sweet thing we get to be a part of. But, but in the, in the mid 90s, Jimmy Seibert began um, just this simple pursuit, passion of knowing Jesus, following Jesus, obeying Jesus, and planning churches. And he kind of made famous this prayer amongst our kind of global family. He he would always pray, God, dream your dreams through us. And it was this prayer that, that just kind of bubbled up in the heart of these people. God, dream your dreams through us. And and you just had this generation of, of young people, college students, young adults that were growing up, and saying, God, if you have a dream that nobody else is running with right now, here I am, Lord put it in me. I'll t- you got a dream. Dream your dreams through us. And it's amazing because in the last 23 years, this family of dreamers has planted 100 churches around the globe in 23 years. There's 50 of them in the United States. So, hey, you might not be in Salt Lake forever. You might move to San Diego or Boston or Dallas or Houston or Orlando or Seattle. And there is an Antioch church in those major U.S. cities that it's not going to exactly like this because this is awesome. But it's like, no, I'm kidding. It's gonna, there's a similar heartbeat DNA it, throughout this movement. And it was catalyzed by this simple radical love for Jesus and praying, dream your dreams through us. Dream your dreams through us. Church, having your own dream is natural. It's natural. Just like my baseball dream laying on the floor over there. Listen, being entrusted with a God dream is supernatural. Look at Psalm 37. Because as we dream, I want this to be critical. We we are not talking about uh, you. um, We're not talking about the American dream. We're not talking about you getting everything you've ever wanted or desired. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, God, um, we exist to serve him not the other way around. And American Christianity has gotten this wrong for way too long, where we think that God exists to serve our dreams, to make all of our desires come true. I want to pastor us through this scripture here in Psalm 37. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now I gotta be honest, there's a couple different ways, let's leave this up here, that you could read verse four. Delight yourself in God, and he'll give you everything you want, right? At face value, I mean, that's a normal, natural interpretation. Delight yourself in God, and he'll give you what you want. <laughs> but I actually believe the, the heartbeat of this is when you become somebody that makes your life goal Trusting in and delighting in and knowing God, which we have access to know him. Do you know that? Through Jesus. Jesus is the door. You can know God as your father. He's not distant. He's not confusing. He hasn't been unclear with who he is or what he's all about. You can know him. And through the cross, which we're celebrating Good Friday, and through his resurrection, Easter Sunday, Jesus opened a door for you to get to know God. And, and so as we delight in God, I believe, read it this way with me, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will put desires in your heart. So we don't, we don't go after the dream. We go after delighting in God. Blake shared that one of our pillars as a church is encountering God. Encounter is just a word for we have the ability to experience God. We have the ability to know his love, to encounter his nearness. And as we delight in and encounter God, he puts, I believe, his desires in our heart. His dreams become our dreams. It's like Caleb. It's a beautiful thing when the children start dreaming the dreams of the Father. So my invitation for us, church, if this is your church family, is to come with us into a season where we are praying, God, dream your dreams through us. And we feel like we already have some clarity on this church is in its seventh year. So there's already some clarity, we believe, on some of God's desires For this family in this valley. And we're going to be sharing a couple of those in the weeks that come. But it's also a journey of saying, look, we are, we're in this city on purpose for a purpose. And we're, it's time for us to turn the corner from this season of survival and disappointment and get busy again being the church. You know what I'm saying? And get busy again going after God's desires and dreams for the city around us. You know what I mean? Partnering with him. And so then it's cool because, sorry, sorry, I need that verse right back So we delight in God, he puts dreams inside of our heart, and then look at verse five, we turn right around, we commit them back to the Lord, right? We trust in him, and then we become partners. He begins to act, we begin to act, and there's a partnership between God and his children where we see God's dreams. We see God's desires actually manifested around us. Are you with me? Yeah. Can I tell you a story about how God did this in my life? So January 1st, 2015, New Year's Day, seven years ago, I have this habit uh, every January 1st where I sit before God and I say, Lord, it's a new year. Is there anything new you're asking me to do? Is there anything any desire in your heart, you want me to carry. In January 1st, 2015, God, still small voice, speaks, I ask him this question, I feel like he speaks to me with a unique and kind of strange clarity. Do you know that God speaks to his children? John 10.10 says, my sheep hear my voice, okay? I didn't hear God audibly. This is something that's cultivated as you spend time in God's word and as you spend time seeking the Lord. He says, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. It wasn't like I walked around and God started audibly booming at me like my voice coming out of a speaker. I was seeking him saying, Lord, what are you calling me to do in this new year? And as I sat in the silence and tried to surrender my life to whatever he would say or do, I sensed in my spirit the Lord say, I want you to steward, not normal language, okay? That's sometimes how you know God's speaking, because it's words that you don't usually use. I want you to steward the gift of songwriting. I was like, well, that's interesting, um, because I don't have that gift, Lord, (laughs) and I had, not, I had written one song for Arlena when I had proposed to her. I am not the, like, like oozingly talented musical guy like we have on our worship team up here, all right? I'm like, he, I was like, I, I don't have that gift, God. And he goes, no, you do. Um, I put it, he will give you the desires of your heart, okay? It wasn't the desire of my heart to be a songwriter, He gave me a desire in my heart. And he said, no, you do. I'm giving it to you, but it's a seed. And like any seed, you need to steward it or manage it. You need to uh, nourish and protect this thing. And as you grow, it will grow with you. And I said, okay, Lord. And I started to notice in the weeks to come um, all of these as I I played the guitar and I would lead worship like in our home group or life group or whatever a little bit, but I was not Mr. Talent, okay? But I began to notice all these songs, like just this stuff started, you know, kind of coming out and it was like all the time it was kind of annoying honestly it was like somebody had turned a faucet on inside of me and it was flooding the ends i'm like turn it off you know like and but he said steward it manage it so i started just recording on my phone these little ideas or voice memos and and okay so 6 or 7 years go by hundreds of song ideas hundreds of voice memos over time i began to tell the terrible ones cuz cuz when a, when a when a faucet it starts to run, sometimes the dirt comes out first, you know, and, and then the clean water, it comes later, right? I began to discern, oh, there's some really bad songs <laughs> coming out, and there's some, like, decent ones, you know, over time. And then um, God just did a lot. It's, it, it, I just want to share uh, this progression of we delight ourselves in God. He puts something in our heart. We give it back to Him, and then He does more with it than we ever could have understood because the dream's about Him and not, and not about me. The dream's not about me becoming cool singer-songwriter-worship guy, you know? Now, we got to make some, I, I saw things I never imagined. I got to record a couple of, like, EPs in, in a studio with guys way more talented than me. I got to see this thing come to fruition and got to see some songs that nobody really other than my kids and, you know, a couple people on Spotify listened to. But it's like, we, I saw God do some cool stuff, you know? And he provided for it. Well, but then we take the job here in Salt Lake. I promise this all ties around, okay? Listen, we take the job here and I start asking around and I start saying, tell me about this valley and what has God spoken? What are the dreams of God's heart for this valley? And more specifically, what are the dreams of God's heart for Antioch Salt Lake? And everybody starts telling me about this word, that there's going to be a new sound of worship that rises up from the Salt Lake Valley and touches the nations of the earth. And that it's been a word spoken over this region for 20 plus years, spoken over this church for six plus years. And all of a sudden, I realize I'm in a God story, a dream way bigger than me, way bigger than something. There's some songwriting thing that I'm, God has pulled me into his story. And he set me up on January 1st, 2015 with a deposited dream in my heart, which I learned recently, it was about April or May of 2015, when the team from Texas that planted this church moved here. So somehow in God's wisdom and sovereignty, he looked seven years down the road, which is not really that hard for him, and said, you're going to be there one day. And there's a promise over this church. And so I need to plant this seed in you now so that in seven years, you're ready. And so then Christmas Eve service rolls around um, this past year, which was our first service in this room, if you're new to this church, we used to meet downstairs in a dungeon, and God's presence never showed up there. I'm just, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm joking. It was for a season, but it was clear that 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 season needed to come to an end. Come on, laugh, guys. Have some joy. We're dreaming. Life's a new season, all right? So, um, so, Christmas Eve, though, they double book the venue for Christmas Eve service with another church, and we can't do Christmas Eve service, and they felt terrible about it. The management said, well, what, we, what can we do? So, well, there's this space on the second story that is totally vacant. Why don't you set up some chairs for us? And, and they come up here, and they set the whole nine yards. They hang the lights for us, and you guys, if you were here for that Christmas Eve service, people walked in here on Christmas Eve, and it was like the glory of God had arrived, and we were in, in a a space where finally we wanted to be, you know, and, and we've never moved. Yeah. And so God moved us. Why do I tell you that? Because when God moved us up here to the second floor, we discovered um, right around the corner here on the other side of the bathrooms um, is a three-room uh, pre-wired recording studio. Okay, so, so so there's a dream in God's heart for a new song to rise up from this valley. And he's inviting churches to be a part of the dream of his heart. And the reason why we, we go after worship culture here in this church is for one reason alone. Actually, I'll say two. Two. One is because Jesus is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. Because Jesus is worthy of worship. And so it's not about style. It's not about preference. It's about his worth. And that's what, why we go after a worship culture here. But the second reason is because it says that the king sits enthroned on the praises of his people. So the reason why you come to church and you feel something different in this room when people start actually worshiping is because that's where God comes and sits. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say this lovingly because I don't know all of you. I don't know your journey, but I'm saying if you're a part of this family and this is like your church home and when your worship leaders are up here, absolutely pouring out their guts to the Lord in worship. And she says, lift your voice and sing. Yeah. Do you know that in that moment, she is your leader if you were in this room and that if you keep your mouth shut, And do not open your mouth to sing to the Lord and give him the reward of his suffering that you are quenching the joy and the work and the move of God's spirit in your life simply by keeping your mouth shut. Because there's death and life in the power of your tongue. And some of you are stuck in your past season because you won't sing your way into a new one. Worship team, thank you for leading us powerfully and pouring out your guts to the Lord because he he's worthy to be worshiped. And so I want to read a couple of scriptures here and they're, they're going to come back up here in a minute. Listen, um, my gosh, I made it through one page of my notes. Hallelujah. Um, it's going to be a long series. It's going to be fun. Um, so... And God's, God's speaking, though. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a beautiful thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to a couple of the pieces here in a second. I don't even know where I am right now. While we're on the singing thing, there is a dream in God's heart for a new song. Check out Psalm 95. I want you guys to know, we're not just like pulling this stuff out of thin air. We're not trying to be cool. We're not just trying to bang cymbals, even though Josiah, dude, crushed it, man, on the drums. But listen, Psalm 95, 1 and 2 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. That's the inspired word of God inviting you to sing to him. Let us make a joyful noise to the Lord, to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Some of you are like, man, I haven't felt God's presence in a long time. It's because you haven't thanked him in a long time, all right? Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 96, one through three, sing to the Lord a what? New New song. Do you know that? That's why we write music, That's why churches write music, because it's biblical, all right? Sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation, declare his glory. I've read on among the nations. Psalm 101 verse one, I will sing of steadfast love and justice. Check it out, to you, O Lord, I will make music. It is biblical to sing a new song, to stir up and make music to the Lord. I don't know all the reasons why. I just know it's a big portion of what the angels are doing in heaven. And so celebration and singing and and letting the things that we delight in come out is a part of our experience and enjoyment of something. That's why when you go to your favorite sporting event, football game at the U, lacrosse, wrestling, whatever it is, and your team or your guy makes the move or catches the pass or makes the pin while you jump out of your seat, you're not sitting back there, you know, like you're not sitting back there quiet you're up out of your feet. This happened my son yesterday. It's soccer. It's a Hudson, man. Put a goal in. And I was like, I had been, Hudson, attack the ball, man. You got it. He's six. Come on, man. You're strong. It's been a while since he played. I was like, you got this. Be strong. Attack the ball. And, and the more I, oh, this is a word. The more he heard my voice, the bolder and stronger he played. All right? And he pushes that ball down the field. And in the last quarter of the game, he put this goal in. And I was on the sidelines. And I came up. I don't jump very high, but I jumped about this high. (laughs) Come on, Hudson, way to go. I was just so fired up because that's, that is what you do. Praise, celebration, it is naturally hardwired into us. That's why we open our mouths and sing to the Lord because Man, he's got the victory of all victories. That's what this holy week is about. Today's Palm Sunday. We're going into the Passion Week. Good Friday's on Friday. He 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 got the victory. But I but I look, I realize, I'm not trying to be hard on us. I realize that a lot of the last two years have felt like defeat. And so we gotta wake up to the hope, to the dreaming to the joy, to the victory. So these guys are gonna come up here in a minute. And uh, do we have the picture of the, the studio? We've been moving. Let's, I just want you to see this. So we've been moving in here. Okay. Matt, Matt is full-time worship director leading us on the charge of songwriting and stirring up a new song. He's moving us into the studio. He's got the, these guys coming in and they're just getting in the presence of God together and doing stuff. And it's like I will make music to the Lord. Okay, cool. Let's obey the Bible. We're going to sing a new song. I, l- I want you to know, church, we're not trying to be Bethel or Maverick City or Elevation. We're not doing this because because it's cool and hip. That's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because it's a word in the word. It's, a, it's in the Bible. And we're doing it because it's a spoken word over our region that there's something about worship. And so they're going to come up here in a minute. Y'all go ahead and come up and start getting ready. We got, we're going to turn the corner in a sec. They're going to come up here and are actually going to play a new song that we've written as a community that we've been stirring up that is going to speak life over this valley and we believe is going to help prophesy um, into the dryness a new season with the Lord, yeah. and so they're gonna they're gonna lead us to close that he, here in a second. But I want us to close um, with Isaiah fifty four. Oh my gosh! <clears throat> it's fun when you write a sermon and that you, and you realize you wrote three sermons. So I guess I'm taking next week off. Blake, we'll go snowboard some more. I'm supposed to dump a bunch of snow I think on Tuesday. So. <clears throat> you're a pastor? What do you do all week long? That's the greatest question. You like have stuff to do other than Sundays? No, man, I just go snowboarding with Blake. It's (laughs) super easy leading a church. Anybody else want to do it? (laughs) My friends are chuckling. Thank you. Um, So Isaiah 54, this is kind of where we're going to land here in in a second, okay? If I can straighten myself out here. Isaiah 54, again, our goal is knowing God, our goal is delighting in God, our goal is walking closely with God, and as we do, he entrusts the dreams and desires of his heart. Can I ask you a question, church? Have you thought about this lately? I know we think a lot about our desires, that is natural. Have you thought a lot lately about God's desires? I think sometimes we push him up and far away and we, we, we don't get on that level with him. But did you, do you know that you've been made in the image of a God who has a heart, who has a mind, who has dreams and has desires? Do you know that? I actually was reading uh, just a couple of days ago in, in Matthew and I came across, across this verse where um, Jesus said that... Uh, He said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He was talking about God's heart for the lost and for the broken. And God's heart is a heart that desires mercy. And I circled, I was like, wow, God desires something. Do you know that God has desires? God's heart, there's dreams. He desires mercy. The word of God says that he is seeking and saving the lost, that God desires to see the lost come to know his love. These are some of the dreams on God's heart. Do you know that God desires to see heaven on earth that's why Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come and so what I what, what the season is about church stay with me here what the season is about is laying hold of the desires that are on God's heart and saying dream your dreams through us I just talked about one of them today, and that is that we would sing to the Lord. But we have about four or five that we're praying through, and we're going to be unpacking. And what this is for us is a season as a church to be on mission and moving forward with what God is wanting to do in our city around us. It's about partnering with his desires. And so this Isaiah 54 verse is going to really guide us through that. It says, "Sing." O barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this a little bit. Okay, it, it, we're, we're going to get there. The children of the desolate will be more than the children of her who's married. So can you see that he is talking to a barren woman who does not and cannot have kids? And look what he says to her. Verse two, enlarge the place of your tent. And let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Somebody read it with me. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Church family, he's saying to a barren woman who does not and cannot have kids, make your tent bigger. Come on, you guys are in Utah. Y'all are campers, right? You get this, right? Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. I know you don't have any kids right now, but they are coming. Do not hold back. Build the house of your dreams. Build more rooms in your tent than you think you're going to need. Do not hold back because you're the fruit of your life, your descendants, your offspring will possess the nations. I want you to know a couple things, church. First of all, we're strengthening our stakes. Blake Staley and Brandon Hibbard, y'all step stand up real quick. Blake and Brandon, here at Antioch, we have what is called our pastoral leadership team. It is kind of our um, elder oversight board currently. And it's been a season, obviously, if you've been around, it's been a season of a lot of transition. And as we are sensing sensing the Lord saying, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, we needed some more stakes in the ground around here. And these are faithful, pure-hearted, devoted men of God that were here from the very beginning that have poured blood, sweat, and tears into this city, into this valley, and into this community to see the dreams of God, become a reality. And I honor both of you. I am so proud to be friends. I am the 11th hour laborer that is stepping into your field and I might be have been asked to be the lead pastor here but this is your church Blake Staley and this is your church Brandon Hibbert and what I love about it is we know and Murray who's also on our PLT we're going to commission them on a Sunday when our whole team can be here Pete Jones is in France nice Pete have fun listen to this later and we'll see you, we'll see you in a couple weeks we're going to commission bring them in when our whole team can be here but but we know that this is his church before it's any of ours And so I honor you both. I love you both. Church, we needed some stakes in the ground around here so that we could lengthen our cords and bring a new stability, okay? Because there is fruit coming and God is telling us as a community to not hold back, to get busy dreaming his dreams again for the valley. Give these guys a hand. Y'all take a seat. But I also want us to see one more thing. I want us to see that it is our offspring. Raise your hand if you're a parent. It is our offspring. You may not know this when you walked in here and took your cozy chair, especially if you don't have kids. But there's about 40 kids on the other side of that wall in our kids' ministry, Okay, There's about 100 people in this room right now. There's 40 kids over there. That's not usually the the proportions of church that you get, Okay. God is entrusting offspring to us and church family. What we do with the dreams of praise God, sing it out girl, come on, I'm talking about you, all right? You bring your babies in here, bring your kids in here. I love having kids in this service. I want them in here, encountering God's presence, hearing the word of God, because our offspring, guys, it's, we are partnering with God. We are stretching something out here in this city, that our kids are going to possess. And we just brought Olivia in to be our new kids director, and she is crushing it already. Listen, here's what I want to say. Listen, if you have a kid, or if this is just your church family, but especially if you have a kid, please... Get back there and pour your life into our offspring at least one Sunday a month. I'm not saying you got to be in there every weekend. I don't want that for anybody, all right? But there is an encounter for you waiting with those children because the Lord says the kingdom of God belongs to the little ones such as these. And right now, I will tell you, our kids ministry is being anchored by about 15 people that serve almost all the time. Thank you. Thank you. There's more, I know, but jump in. This is critical for the dreams of God. Our kids are going to inherit what we are doing here. I want you guys to stand up. Lord, we say thank you. We say thank you that you're, you're entrusting the dreams of your heart to us. And we say, God, dream your dreams through us. And so, Lord, we just, we, we just come together to sing out a new song and to speak life over this valley, this region, the place that we call home. Let your kingdom come. Worship team, take us into it.